Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeart Podcasts, and how the tech are ya? It's time for some tech news that caught my eye this week. Uh, We are on February 23rd, 2024. Let's get to it. Now, yesterday was a bit of a doozy for cellular carriers here in the United States. Disruptions in service plagued AT&T customers, and reportedly, some folks who patronize other carriers had similar problems. It was a massive outage, and it lasted for several hours. Those with Wi-Fi-capable phones could still make calls over Wi-Fi networks, but once out of the electromagnetic embrace of the router, they found themselves without service. Speculation ranged from a technical glitch to a possible cyber attack as being the cause of the issue. Uh, That last possibility got the authorities involved, as more than 70,000 outage reports flooded in from cities like Houston and Dallas and Texas, Los Angeles out in California, Chicago in Illinois, and my hometown of Atlanta, Georgia. As for those other carriers, T-Mobile and Cricket Wireless reported some of their customers had also mentioned a loss of service, and curiously, it seemed to happen after those customers had tried to call AT&T customers. I should also add that Cricket Wireless actually piggybacks off of AT&T's network, so maybe it's not such a big surprise that they had some issues with their customers. The Federal Communications Commission or FCC, has launched an investigation into the incident. The U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency also looked into it, plus the Department of Homeland Security started to investigate it. But this morning, AT&T says the problem came down to, quote, the application and execution of an incorrect process used as we were expanding our network, end quote. That's according to an actual AT&T release. 
This lines up with an earlier analysis from the cybersecurity agency. They said that the most likely cause of the issue was a fault in a cloud computing configuration error. While it took hours to restore service to all customers, AT&T says that process is now complete. So hopefully if you have AT&T, you don't have any issues right now. And now a quick update on Cruise. Not Tom Cruise, but rather the autonomous taxi company that famously got in trouble when one of its vehicles struck and then dragged a pedestrian for 20 feet or so while the car was pulling over. Uh, and then allegedly Cruise was attempting to cover up the incident by not sharing their video of the actual accident. Anyway, the state of California has revoked Cruise's license from operating within that state. But the company is looking at other cities and is reportedly preparing to return to service with actual drivers in the seats as well. Spokesman Pat Morrissey said, quote, our goal is to relaunch in one city with manually driven vehicles and supervised testing as soon as possible once we have taken steps to rebuild trust with regulators and the public, end quote. Now, I would like to think that our trust would require a lot of work to rebuild, but I just don't know because some folks just love themselves some technology. But then again, Cruise has to turn things around if it is to remain a viable business. Since that accident, the company has had several top leaders jump ship, and it has also downsized more than 20%. So they definitely need to make things start to happen or else there's not going to be a company anymore. Google is back in the hot seat because its newly renamed AI, which is now known as Gemini, has a tendency to go a little overboard for the sake of diversity. Now, I think most of us understand that in most contexts, diversity is important. It brings fresh perspectives and methods to bear. Generally speaking, we all benefit when we concentrate on making sure we are, you know, championing diversity. But if you wanted to create a historically accurate portrayal of a group of people, such as, oh, I don't know, Nazi soldiers, you might be shocked if the AI-generated image included people of color dressed in Nazi uniforms. The Nazis famously were not inclusive. This sounds a bit like Godwin's law, right? I mean, that's the law that says any conversation on the internet will inevitably gravitate toward Hitler as folks disagree with one another. But the genesis of the complaints gets a little bit more murky because they start in the anti-diversity crowd or folks who are kind of like white rights people, or they just are, I guess they would position themselves as anti-woke. But these were people who were complaining that if you asked Gemini to create images of like, say, an American woman, that it, it would create some images that included people of color. And maybe you'd end up with more people of color than white people. Maybe you'd even end up with a group of people and there's no white person represented in that group. This has led to some of these people arguing that Google is pushing anti-white propaganda on the public, which, y'all, let's be serious. I mean, the examples I've looked at at least have had white folks in those examples. It's not like they were, you know, completely left out. And goodness knows America has a very long history of producing media that studiously ignored the fact that people who are not white also live in America. See also the sitcom Friends. You would think that New York was almost entirely white based on that show. Anyway, the Nazi thing indicates that perhaps Google has been a little heavy-handed when trying to force diversity into image generation, right? Like, there are different ways to have diversity work its way into your product, and brute force is not necessarily the best way. You can almost imagine that the algorithm has a little, like, switch at the end of the sequence asking, 
is the group of people that you've created diverse? If not, insert people of color. Now, obviously, that is not appropriate in every context. And honestly, it points out that true diversity and fairness is really hard to achieve, even if we're just talking virtually. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't bust our butts to try and achieve it. And I would recommend Adel Robertson's article on The Verge titled Google Apologizes for Missing the Mark After Gemini Generated Racially Diverse Nazis if you'd like to read more. It's a very good article. In other Google Gemini news, Google incorporated an AI writing generator into Google Chrome this week. Now, to use this, you actually first must enable it. You have to go into settings to do this. And I did that this morning, but I haven't really had a chance to take this out for a spin to see what it's like. I'll be sure to report back once I've had some time with it. I did try the tab organizer option. There's an option that's supposed to, you know, reorganize your tabs so that things make sense. But I had already kind of grouped my tabs into relevant research. So I guess there just wasn't anything left for Gemini to organize because nothing happened. But, you know, it's either that or it just didn't work. Anyway, you can also do things like you can click within a text field online. Let, let's say you, you found an online form, like maybe you're leaving a review for a product and you can choose help me write by right clicking, you know, write W-R-I-T-E. That will get Gemini to either write or rewrite your stuff. So maybe you want to sound particularly educated while you're writing your next review about a pair of sneakers or whatever. You can use this option. Uh, I have not tried this yet, so I don't know what it's like. But it's good to note that if you do use this feature, Google will collect some data about the whole process, like what site you're on and what you wrote or had Gemini write for you. And further, this then could be reviewed by human beings further along the chain as a way to make sure that Gemini is on track and is improving over time. So there could be human review added into this. So for the privacy-minded, you might want to think twice before you activate this feature, you know, and otherwise the things you write are possibly going to be reviewed by human beings. And if you're writing stuff that you'd rather human beings not actually see, which I don't know why you'd be writing on the internet if that's the case, but maybe don't use this. The website Reddit is about to go public, so it's about to hold its initial public offering, as in, you know, become a, a publicly traded company. This is a really big deal for several reasons. Reddit, the site that lets users create and manage pages called subreddits about pretty much any topic you can imagine, and probably a few you can't, it has served as a sort of gathering ground for interesting links to all sorts of stuff online, and it's been around for years, but it has never turned a profit. In fact, it lost more than $90 million last year. However, it did post a 21% growth in revenue year over year. So it made more money, which meant it lost less money overall. It also recently went through a really rocky situation where the company changed its application programmer interface policy or API policy. And in the process, it alienated a whole bunch of its user base. You know, Reddit saw users deliberately sabotage several popular subreddits as a result of that, and the experience left many Reddit users sour on the site. Now, that being said, Reddit has offered something of an olive branch, at least to the most prolific Reddit users. They will have the chance to purchase shares in Reddit before it goes active on the stock market. That means you can potentially buy shares at a lower price than what it will be when it is trading on the stock market, though that's not a guarantee. They can be pretty exclusive as, you know, insiders in this case. So 
there might be some prolific Redditors out there who still hold a grudge against Reddit for those changes to the API, but I have seen people really fall over themselves for the chance to be part of an exclusive group, even if that group isn't really impressive. So I'm guessing a lot of the folks who have the opportunity to make those purchases will. In the interest of full disclosure, I'm definitively not one of those people. I use Reddit for research, but I do so pretty much only as a lurker. I think I may have posted on Reddit perhaps half a dozen times total across my entire history with the site, and it's almost always as a comment to an existing thread. But in other interesting news, OpenAI co-founder and former CEO and then reinstated CEO Sam Altman is one of the top shareholders on Reddit. He boasts an 8.7% share in the company. That's more than twice as much as CEO Steve Huffman possesses of his own company. This means that Altman can actually outvote the CEO on shareholder matters. Altman's shares means he's the third largest shareholder overall. The company's advanced publications, which owns Condé Nast, among other things, and the Chinese company Tencent, which owns pretty much everything, are ahead of him. Also probably not related, but Reddit has started to negotiate with AI companies to allow them to use Reddit to help train AI in return for paying a hefty amount of money. So Google recently forked over $60 million and have agreed to do that per year for the privilege of using Reddit to train AI, which is interesting that Sam Altman has such a prominent place in the shareholders and Reddit is taking money from Google, a competitor to OpenAI, for this training privilege. I really wonder if OpenAI will have to cough up money to do the same thing. Guess we'll find out. Okay, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be back with more news after this. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. Okay, we're back. So Yahoo is shaking things up over at Engadget. If you're not familiar with Engadget, that's a site that reports on tech topics and offers up stuff like like product reviews. 
The company laid off 10 people in their editorial department, including top leadership positions like the editor-in-chief. And it also split the editorial department into two groups. So one group will focus exclusively on news and features, and the other one on reviews. Reportedly, this is to realign the editorial staff in an effort to drive more traffic to the site. Because more traffic means more advertising revenue. Engadget's general manager issued a memo that said the changes will, quote, increase our velocity, end quote. That raises huge red flags for me. As someone who used to write articles for a website, increase our velocity sounds a lot like making deadlines much tighter, requiring writers to write far more pieces per given amount of time, and giving writers less time to research and understand a topic, which makes it harder to write something that isn't just a regurgitated press release, and that doesn't really help anybody. Now, I don't have any attachment to Engadget. I don't know any people who work there or used to work there, but I really hope everyone finds, you know, gainful employment. They end up in a good place because it's a rough time to be out of work as a web-based writer. Now, I probably should have put this next story after the cruise story, but here we are. So the state of California has put Alphabet's application to expand robo-taxi services in the San Francisco and Los Angeles areas until June 19th. The California Public Utilities Commission states that the application is suspended for further staff review. Now, this is a standard procedure if the agency does not approve an application within 30 days of it having been submitted. So it's not like this is totally unusual. It's not like it's definitely an indication that California is pushing back against Alphabet and Waymo. My guess is that the state of California is re-evaluating their stance on autonomous vehicle operation in the wake of the cruise incident, as well as other accidents involving autonomous vehicles, and that it might be a while before it issues any approvals to expand service until the state legislation decides upon suitable rules and regulations. Go back just a couple of years and a lot of car manufacturers boasted of plans to switch over to only making electric vehicles in the near future. Mercedes-Benz, for example, said the plan was to go all EV by the year 2030. But now the company is backing out of that promise. So the problem, you see, is that folks are not buying as many EVs as the companies thought they would. And so the companies are scared that going all EV will just devastate their industry. And so companies are starting to change their tune, saying that they won't be quite as aggressive in pushing EVs to the market and that they will continue to produce gas and hybrid vehicles instead. That's a blow to environmentalists who are really hoping to see consumer transportation make a really big change, but the market dictates where these companies are going to go, and it's hard to argue that a company should produce itself out of business. That doesn't do really anyone any good. Now, one could argue that issues like vehicle costs and charging station availability are really having an impact, but in fact, it's a really complex challenge, and maybe it's just too complex to follow through on promises that were made just a few years ago. Blue Sky, one of the federated social platform alternatives to X slash Twitter, made a really big move this week. The company will now allow you to choose who hosts your data. So by default, Blue Sky hosts all your information, but you can designate another party to host all of your data. And that includes stuff like all the stuff you post, all of your likes, all of your follows, etc. And that even includes yourself. If you want to store your data on your own server, you can do that. And it doesn't have to be forever. Blue Sky's structure allows you to port data from host to host. So if you change your mind, you can move your stuff. Now, this is huge since most social platforms require you to host all of your information on their own servers because your data is valuable and the platform wants to leverage it. Being able to choose where it all goes gives more power to the user. 
And if the user determines that their current host is doing something shady or it's a poor steward of their information, they can change where it's stored. If you want to read more, there's a post on Blue Sky. It is titled Blue Sky, an open social web, and it has all the details. Our next story is cool because it suggests we can achieve incredible boosts in processing power without having to fight against the laws of quantum mechanics to do it. A UC Riverside associate professor named Hung Wei Tseng has published a paper titled Simultaneous and Heterogeneous Multithreading, and it explains this concept. So basically, Tseng points out that modern computers typically have multiple processors. You know, you might have a CPU and a GPU. You might have hardware accelerators for stuff like machine learning or AI. And all of these handle information separately, kind of like as if they are in a silo. And then information can travel from processor to processor, but this means the overall process is inefficient. So Tseng and his team demonstrated that by multi-threading processes across all of these different types of units, he could speed things up considerably. He nearly doubled processing speed, while at the same time almost cutting the amount of energy needed to complete those processes by half. So not only does it boost computational speeds, it does so in a really energy-efficient way. It's pretty insane that he could get nearly double the output just by using multi-threading across processors without having to do a single hardware upgrade. And this has the potential to create enormous benefits. So imagine that you were able to double the output and half the energy requirements of a data server farm, for example. Like, that would mean that you would need less water to cool the data farm. You would be using less energy to run it, so it'd be more cost-efficient. You'd be able to double the output. That's incredible. Of course, we could probably just screw that up by doubling the number of servers we're storing in that server farm, and then we're right back to where we started. But, you know, you get the point. Singh himself has actually cautioned that a lot more work has to be done to figure out when this methodology will be practical and applicable, because it might be that for some applications, it's ideal. But for others, we might see far less impressive gains and that it wouldn't make sense to implement it. So it is good to keep that in mind, but still pretty darn cool. Now, before I sign off, I do have an article I'd like to recommend to y'all. And this one is from Wired. It's by Lauren Good, and it's titled Tech Job Interviews Are Out of Control. So the piece explores how the culture in the tech sector has changed dramatically over the last couple of years. You know, once upon a time, developers and engineers found themselves courted by headhunters, and they were constantly being lured to greener pastures on a regular basis with bigger compensation packages and benefits. But now an interview process might require proving your worth by working on a project without, you know, actually being an employee. So there you are, doing real work for free in order to prove that you're worth hiring. And meanwhile, you're taking up time and energy you could be using to actually land a gig which is pretty crazy stuff. But the full article goes into way more detail. It's well worth reading. As always, I have no connection to Wired or to Lauren Good. It's just a good article, and I think you should check it out. That's it for the tech news for February 23rd, 2024. I hope you are all well, and I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work.